The Bible says he's, he's not untouched by the feelings of our infirmities. He knows how we feel. He knows the things, the sorrows of our hearts, and uh, he's, there, he's there to encourage us and to strengthen us along the way. And to, and to give strength when it seems like there is no other way to get there. And um, I know some of what Brother Cedric's going through. And uh, pray for him as he goes and serves and labors. But uh, pray that God will meet his needs and uh, give him strength for the journey. Let's turn to, math, or to Romans chapter number 5, excuse me. Romans chapter number 5, and keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at several passages this morning. We live in a day where so many people in our country, so many people in the world, uh, know of God. They know of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have just made it their decision and their choice to despise Him. There's been a hatred for Him for some reason. And even those that maybe are not quite to the point of hating God or despising Him, uh, there's another group that are just, they don't care any uh, at all about the things of the Lord. And uh, it's amazing because when I was a kid, when I was younger, and some of you can relate to this, there were a lot of people who just had not heard. There were a lot of people who didn't know about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm amazed with all the technology and the way to get the message of the gospel out anymore. There's very few people you'll meet that don't that would say, I've never heard of God or I've never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most everybody has. All of them at some point have made a decision about Him. Whether they believe in Him, whether they don't believe in Him, whether they uh, want to have anything to do with Him or not. God created Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden a little over 6,000 years ago. By the way, uh, that's how old our earth is. I'm not here to give you a science lesson today, but uh, it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does to believe that God created everything. And it is uh, uh, something that in the last hundred years has come out as a theory for no other reason than to deny God's existence. The truth is, our Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that God created the world in six days. He created man and woman. He put them in the Garden of Eden. He created them perfect. He created the Garden of Eden perfect. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no sorrow. And He gave them a, a work to do. He told Adam He was to dress and to keep the garden. They were to eat of the fruit of the garden except for one tree that God put in the middle. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said you're not to eat of it. And we all know the story, how that the serpent came and tempted Eve. And Eve saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise. The Bible says she did take of the fruit and gave also to her husband with her. And they ate the fruit of the garden. That was the forbidden fruit, the fruit that God had said you don't eat of it. I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, Pastor, why, why did God even do that? Why didn't He just make all the trees available to him? Why did he even have to put that tree there? The answer to that is this, that while God created man, he wanted man to choose to love him back and to follow him of their own free will. God did not intend to force anyone 
to worship Him and to love Him. It's only by giving man a free will that that man could truly share his heart of love back to the back to the uh, to God and to the Lord. So man sinned, and the Bible tells us that God had told them in the day they ate thereof they would surely die. And a part of them did. There was a spirit inside of them that died that day. And while their soul is an eternal being, their spirit was certainly uh, the spiritual side of, of the communion with God, that part that allowed them to be able to walk with God in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. That died that day. And now there existed a separation between man and God. In Romans chapter number 5, Paul writes about this. He says in verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. We know from this verse that there was no death before this. The Bible says, And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Notice what he says here. For that all have sinned. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have heard people say, Boy, uh, they're out mowing their grass, or out cleaning the back 40, and they're sweating, and they're hurting. And they say, boy, I wish that uh, Adam hadn't sinned. We wouldn't have to be working and labor. Well, God gave us work before sin, but the truth is now we work by the sweat of our brow. It's a lot harder than it used to. The earth doesn't yield its fruit as easily as it used to before sin. Women have to travail in childbirth in a way that they would not have had to prior to sin. There are a lot of physical things that certainly were brought about that we struggle with day in and day out because of sin. But the truth is, the worst thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned is that that death and that sin nature passed down to every single one of us. So much so that John chapter 3 and verse number 18 tells us that he that believeth not in the Lord Jesus Christ is what he's speaking of there. He said, he that believeth not is condemned already. We don't have to do anything to be condemned and to go to hell. A lot of people say, well, you know, there's, there's a big scale that God has in heaven. and He's going to put all my good on one side, and He's going to put all my bad on the other side, and, and hopefully my good outweighs the bad, and as long as that happens, I'll get to go to heaven. And then if my bad outweighs the good, I'll, I'll end up going to hell, and I don't, I don't really know if I'm going to make it there or not. The problem with that is our Bible tells us that even the best we have to offer, our righteousness, the, the things we would say are our good things, because of how righteous and how holy God is, even our best, He says, are filthy rags. That means everything we do would have to be put on that other side of the scale. You say, Pastor, that's a terrible thing. I, I mean, if, you, if we believe that in what the Bible says here, then we don't have any hope of making it to heaven. And that's the truth. We don't. Not by ourselves. And that's where God found us. That's where we found ourselves. When Paul writes now in verse number 8, if you'll look with me, But God commendeth His what? Love toward us. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. And He loves you so much. Notice what He says here. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And I want you to notice these two words. 
for us. Christ didn't die because He had to. Christ died because we had to. Christ didn't pay the sin debt because He had sinned. Christ paid the sin debt because we had sinned. Christ didn't come to this earth because He had to. Christ came to this earth because He loved you. He loved you so much. In fact, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. John writes, this is how much he does. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God is not willing, the Bible says, for any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to bring condemnation. We were already there. He came to bring us salvation, to bring us life, and to bring it to us more abundantly. And He did all of this because of His love for you. You say, well, Pastor, doesn't He love the world? Yes, He does. But if you had been the only one, He would have still done it. Because He loves you. We're living in a day where so many people want nothing to do with what love He has given to us. I have three children. There's not one of them that I'd be willing to sacrifice. As much as I love our church people, there's not one of my three children I'm willing to give up to save you. I love you, but not that much. But Christ did. God the Father loved you so much. He was willing to send the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to pay a debt He didn't owe. It was a debt you and I owed, and we could not pay. There was not enough good that we could do to earn our way to heaven. And so He came to this earth. He lived for 33 years here. He served for about three, three and a half years or so, somewhere in that range of a ministry that He was going around and teaching people that they needed to be able to have faith in Him for their salvation. He taught His disciples to take this gospel message and to share it with all the world. And He told them, He said, I want you to, to share it with other people and that they can take it and share it with other people. He did all of this because He loved you. And the Bible says that there was a day where they came and arrested Him in the Garden of Gethsemane. They took Him. And throughout the night, they judged Him and they beat Him and spat upon Him. They blindfolded Him and they began to uh, strike Him and say, testify or prophesy who it was that struck you. began to pluck out His beard. I don't know if you've ever experienced that kind of pain. If I have one hair that I have to pull or, or, or get stuck in something that comes out, it hurts. Could you imagine having the beard pulled? It plucked from his face. They took a crown of thorns, and these aren't thorns like we have. They were thorns from over there, and they plated a crown out of them. They put them on top of his head, and they took a rod, and they beat it down into his skull. The 
blood began to flow. They took him and they beat him with a cat of nine tails. The Roman soldiers, they, they prided themselves in how much flesh they could tear from the body with the cat of nine tails. Some people said that Christ received 39 stripes, but the Bible doesn't specify that. The truth is they oftentimes, when Roman soldiers would utilize such punishment, they would go until they were tired. They emaciated the body of our precious Savior so much that the ribbons of flesh fell from His bones. And according to Isaiah 53, the truth of the matter is you could see His inward parts. So much so that His visage was changed to a place where you could not even tell it was a man. He said, Pastor, why would you share such horrible, horrible pictures of what Christ endured? Because He did it for you. He didn't have to. They put Him on a cross, drove spikes into His feet and His hands. They put a, a mocking transcript across the, the top of the cross. It said, King of the Jews. The Jews didn't like that. They said, don't tell, him, don't tell people He's the King of the Jews. He's not our King. Rather right, He said that He was the King of the Jews. And they said, what we've written, we've written. He hung on that cross for hours, agonizing death. For people that have studied the crucifixion, it's one of the most horrible and most painful deaths that a man can ever endure. They essentially suffocate on the cross. Our Savior was on that cross for hours. Darkness came, an earthquake came. And he cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? As He took on Himself our sin. We read this morning in the book of Colossians, He took that sin, all those things, those ordinances that were against us, the Bible says, nailing them to the cross. He did it, not because He had to, not because He deserved it, He did it, because He loved you. He took your punishment. He hung on that cross for a period of time, and then as tradition was, they would come after a certain amount of time, they would break the legs of the men so they could no longer push themselves up and get another breath on the cross. When they came to the Lord Jesus Christ, He had already died. He did that to fulfill all the prophecies that had been given in the Old Testament of the Christ that was going to come and be the Savior of men and the things that He would have to endure. He didn't even have His own tomb, and so Joseph of Arimathea, who was a fairly wealthy man, came and asked if he could have the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they carefully took Him down, and they bound Him in the, the burial clothing and the spices, and they put Him in Joseph's tomb. There were some people that had heard the Lord Jesus Christ when He said that if they tore down the temple, He would raise it up again in three days. And they said, uh, we're worried 
that some of his followers are going to come and steal away his body and say he's been risen. So they asked for a quaternion of soldiers to come and to guard the tomb. They rolled a stone in front of it. They sealed it and they put the signet uh, to where the seal could not be broken. It's penalty of death to do such. For three days, he was in that grave. If you will, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20. On the morning following the three days and the three nights, the Bible says, on the first day of the week, cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, the other disciple, out of did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself, then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, O woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. <laughs> Do not that it was Jesus. I'm going to stop there for a moment. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ in His risen body bore the marks of His crucifixion. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because in a few chapters, He meets with His disciples. And they, thinking He is a ghost, He tells them to come and put their hand and touch Him. Thomas isn't there. Thomas is told about it. He doesn't believe it. Later on, the Lord appears and Thomas is able to see for himself. And he tells Thomas, go ahead and put your hand in the, in the, in the wound of my side where the spear had been put. Go ahead and put your, your hands in the nails, the nail prints of my hands. Mary, one of the close friends of His on earth, sees the risen Savior and she doesn't even recognize Him. Notice what it says in verse 15. He says, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. 
And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Well, I like that, don't you? Even when we didn't know Him, He knew us. She turned herself and saith unto Him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. That's an important part of this story. I want you to remember that for a moment. Here he is moments after the resurrection. He tells Mary, he says, Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I am ascended unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when He had so said, He showed unto them His hands and His side. Then were the disciples, notice this, glad when they saw the Lord. Can I tell you this? He is risen. I have not seen Him with my physical eyes, but I long to to the day that I can see Him for the very first time. Oh, I'm so thankful that we have in our hands a Bible that tells us our Savior didn't die and just go into the grave. He rose again. They rejoiced in this, and He says unto them, Peace be unto you. And when He had so said, He showed them His hands, His side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Very, very important that we understand the truth of the resurrection story. A lot of people, critics of our Bible, have said, well, that's that's just an account by some of his followers. It could have been made up. It could have been a fairy tale. There are a lot of people who disbelieve this. But there are secular historians of the day that give accounts of eyewitness verification that the Lord Jesus walked about for a period of time after his resurrection before he ascended back to heaven. I want you to notice a couple of things here. When he came to Mary, or met Mary in the garden, he tells Mary, he says, Don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended my Father. I want you to go and tell the brethren that I am ascending to the Father. And he tells them he'll see them later, and he appears to them later. And when he appears to them, he shows them his hands and his side, and we find out in another gospel that they handled him. They touched him. They were able to, to feel his body. Why was he not able to be touched by Mary and yet later on was able to be touched by his disciples? It's an interesting process of redemption that the Lord created and planned. The Bible says he had the plan even from the foundation of the earth. But in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was to practice a sacrifice for atonement, to atone for the sins of the people. It wasn't something that saved them permanently, but it was something that they were to do year after year. And when the sacrifice for atonement was made, they would go to the temple. The priests would go through a cleansing process to make sure that they were cleansed and and that they had put on the proper garments. And the high priest then would take the blood of the sacrifice that was made, usually a sheep, 
that was sacrificed for atonement. And they would take that blood, and the high priest would go into the tabernacle to a very special place called the Holy of Holies. Inside the Holy of Holies, the high priest was the only one allowed to ever go in there. He was only allowed to go in there one time a year. It was where the presence of God literally dwelt in the tabernacle. Inside the Holy of Holies was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant that God had asked the children of Israel to build. And the Bible talks about that uh, over the Ark of the Covenant being what's called the mercy seat. And the high priest would take the blood of the sacrifice. And if, it, if he was touched by anyone between the time that he took the blood and the time that he entered into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled this blood on top of the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel then he was defiled as a high priest and God would not recognize the sacrifice and the high priest literally would die. He was to have bells on the bottom of his garment and they were to tie a scarlet cord around his ankle. The reason for that was if the high priest ever was to enter into the Holy of Holies unworthily to have sin upon him, to have some contamination from being touched by someone after he had cleansed himself, God would strike him dead. And no one would be able to go in to get him, and so they would have to pull him out by the scarlet cord if that ever happened. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 7, is the high priest that is not after the priesthood of this world. He is a priest that dwells eternally in the heavens. And the Lord Jesus had to take the blood that He had shed on Calvary and in the role of the high priest, without being touched, to take His own precious blood, not only the blood of a lamb, but this time His own blood, that was given as a sacrifice for the atonement of sins. Not to have to be done every year, but the Bible says once for all. Sometime between the time He met Mary... And the time he meets with his disciples, he goes to heaven. He sprinkles that blood on the mercy seat for the sins of men. And because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are able to be reconciled with God. Sinful man can come into communion with a holy God once again. And we can sing a song like we have in our hymnals, And He walks with me. And He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, oh, none other has ever known. Why? Because Jesus Christ made a way where there was no way. If you will, look with me in the book of Luke. Luke gives his account, and I want us to see something here as well. Luke chapter number 24 God, having done the work, the Lord Jesus Christ having sprinkled the blood. <clears throat> Luke chapter 24, we're going to read his account, verse number 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing spices which he had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. 
And it came to pass, as they were perplexed, much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, the mother of Mary, I'm sorry, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were there with them, that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to be uh, to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Can I tell you this? The very first record we have in Scripture of someone who had witnessed and known of the resurrected Christ that went out to tell others, they weren't believed. And that's the sad fact of the state we live in today. So many that we share the gospel message with don't believe. But I want you to notice as we get to verse number 12, the Bible says, Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. They talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near. Oh, I love this. Think about this for a moment. Jesus had risen from the dead. He had seen Mary in the garden. And He said, don't touch me yet. I've got to ascend to my Father. I've got the work of the high priest to do. I've got to sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat for the atonement of man. I'm going to go to an appointment I have, I know, with my disciples. I'm going to meet with them. I've got it already planned. But aren't you glad He took time out for two men walking on the road to Emmaus? In the midst of all of this, the process of the salvation of mankind was in the works. And yet He took the time to go on the road to Emmaus with two men. Notice it says this, And behold, two of them went the same day in the village to Emmaus, called Emmaus, which was about from Jerusalem three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know Him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them said, Whose name was Cleopas, uh, answering, uh, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass in in these days? And he saith unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests of our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have uh, redeemed Israel. In other words, they said, we believed him to be the Savior. We believed him to be the Messiah. And beside all this, today is the third day since those things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had, uh, that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. 
And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And being, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Could you imagine? What it would have been like to have been those two men. I mean moments after His resurrection. Here He is walking down the road. And He starts with Moses and the prophets and He begins to expound to us all the things about Himself. The Bible says in verse number 28, And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and He made as though He would have gone further. Can I tell you this? Christ does not force Himself on anyone. But they constrained Him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And I want you to notice this. And He went into what? Tarry with Him. While the Lord Jesus Christ will force Himself on no one, He is willing to come to anyone. He's not going to force Himself on you. But if you're willing to accept Him, if you're willing to trust Him for what He's done, He's willing to tarry with you. He's willing to give you that wonderful gift of eternal life that He bought with His own blood. I want you to notice a third Gospel account in Mark chapter number 16. He made the way of salvation by taking His own blood and paying our sin debt, that which we could not do. He paid it once for all. He's a Christ who does not force Himself on anyone, but is willing to come to everyone. And then I want you to notice this. In Mark chapter number 16, and let's look in verse number 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right hand, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold, the place where they laid Him. But go your way and tell His disciples. I want you to notice the next two words. And Peter. Now wait a minute. Wasn't Peter one of the disciples? I mean, by saying go and tell His disciples, don't we understand that that included Peter? I find this so sweet. Just before Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before His crucifixion, He celebrated the Passover by having a supper with His disciples. We call it the Lord's Supper. While He was there, He, he told of the fact that Judas would betray Him. He told of the fact that there would be others offended of Him that night. And He spoke of the fact, and Peter had made His declaration of, absolute 
loyalty to Christ by saying, Lord, even if it means my death, I will never, I will never deny you. And Jesus corrected him, didn't he? He said, Peter, you're wrong because tonight, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three different times. When that cock crowed after his third denial, could you imagine how Peter... Peter's one of the ones that was the inner three of the disciples. One of the ones that was closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you imagine how Peter felt? Lord, I, I failed. I, I, I'll never... I'll never that, that relationship is broken. I've denied him. Even if he's alive, it's, it's, it, it's, my, my relationship with him is not going to be what it should. When Jesus rose from the dead, he told, he told Mary, he said, I want you to go and tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure Peter knows. Notice he says in verse 7, but go your way and tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him. And he said unto you, as he said unto you, and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said there, there any, they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Jesus is walking on the seashore of Galilee shortly after. His disciples were out on a boat fishing. Peter sees him. Peter's in the boat. Peter sees him. While the others are rowing to shore, Peter jumps into the water. He swims to shore. And there the Lord had prepared a meal for His disciples. They ate their meal, and shortly after the meal, Jesus pulled Peter aside and was talking with him. And He said, Peter... Lovest thou me more than these? Peter said, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest I love you. Jesus said, Go feed my sheep. A little while later, the Lord asked him a second time. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter said, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my lambs. A little while later, the Lord Jesus Christ asks him for the third time, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And you know what our King James Bible says? It says that Peter was grieved because he had asked him thrice. He wasn't grieved that the Lord doubted him. He was grieved when the full impact of what the Lord was doing for him began to sink in. Three times he had denied his Lord. And three times the risen Savior with grace being extended to Peter gave him opportunity to say, Yea, Lord, I love thee. Oh, what a Savior. He said, Brother Greg, I can't get saved. You don't know what I've done. It can't be worse than what Peter did. 
Well, you just don't know how bad my life has been, Pastor. Oh, but I know how bad some of these men's lives were. And Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The writer of Hebrews says that He is able to save them to the uttermost. doesn't matter how much you've sinned, how much you've rejected Him, how much you've denied Him, how much you've said, I don't believe God exists, or how I don't believe that, that Jesus is who He says He is. He still longs to save you. You say, I can't, I can't understand that. Why would He do such a thing? But God commendeth His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, why would He do such a thing? I know the answer, but I don't understand it. The answer is because He loves you. You say, why would He love me? I don't know. I don't know why He loves me. But I'm so thankful He does. There may be some folks here today that say, you know, the truth is, I've heard about Christ. I've, I've had my own opinions, my own thoughts about religion, the Bible. I, you know, I, I, I don't live the way I should. I'm thankful Christ takes everyone. You don't have to you don't have to clean your life up before you get saved. You come saying, Lord, I can't do it. I have nothing I can bring. I'm simply trusting you. Let God take care of the cleaning up. He'll take care of that. We don't have to worry about those things. We just simply have to put our faith in Him. We have to trust Him to do what He said He would do. And He said, He that cometh to Me, I will in no wise cast out. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. He said, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'll tell you this, if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've heard this a hundred times. I'm saved. I've been saved for 20 years. We ought to hear something like this and leave this place shouting and rejoicing over what He's done for us. Because the truth is, we didn't deserve not one ounce of it. But I'm so glad He gave it to us. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've tried a lot of things. I have my own views of religion, my own views of how to get to heaven. Can I tell you, there's only one way. I don't care what Oprah says or Joel Osteen says. There's only one way. And that is by putting our faith in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us when He died on the cross, was buried in a tomb for three days, and rose again the third day with His own blood to be applied for mercy to be shown to me. I just have to trust Him for what He's done. That's all I can do. And by the way, that's all you can do. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed.
I rarely do something like this, but I'm going to ask if you would to have your heads bowed and eyes closed. I, I want this to be a private matter. And I'm going to ask a question or two. And I will promise you, and I'll make this commitment to you, I will not 